0: This is Gridiron Graduates, a weekly podcast covering all things football. Episode number 38, Stake Out, recorded April 13th, 2016. And hello again, friends. Welcome back. Uh, Back after a little bit of hiatus, but the Grid grads, of course, are back in full effect, and... Glad to still have you guys with us. Bill to hitting you guys back up as always. Uh, Ian Wharton on the other side, my awesome co-host. Good to have you back, bud. How you been?
1: I've uh, been pretty good, man. Just uh, We're about two weeks away from the big day for the draft. We've got NHL playoffs, which I'm a fairly casual NHL fan. I really like going to games, but as far as um, following the regular season, I don't follow too closely. Just... You know, lack of time, but I do really like the playoffs. Uh, and, of course, we got NBA playoffs, which I'm a huge NBA fan. Um, so the times are really good, man. A, things are winding down here. I mean, they're ramping up in a sense uh, as mm-hmm. far as, you know, uh, football is related. And, obviously, the draft is our, my personal favorite. Um but in the grand scheme of things, it's also, in a sense, slowing down yeah. as, you know, most people have now seen a lot of these prospects. Um, you know, I'm not going too deep this year on prospects and such just because of, you know, obviously my writing commitment. And so uh, just and it's it's also kind of indicative of the class overall. It's not a very strong uh, class. It's kind of boring after the first, you know, 60 or so players. So. Yeah man, things are good though. It's a, it's a great time of the year. One of my favorite times of the year for sure.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And uh of course, we're recording this on the night that looks to be very historic in the NBA. Uh the Warriors going for win number 73. It's hard it's hard to believe they actually made it to this point, uh, especially with the way that, you know, the couple losses the last couple weeks. But uh, the big win at San Antonio put them in a position against what looks to be a struggling Grizzlies team. So they very well could get 73. And obviously by the time you guys listen to this, they will either have had 73 wins or they'll finish with 72. And then of course, Bomba Day in Las Vegas. Or not Las Vegas, sorry. it? Los Angeles. As uh, it's Kobe Bryant's final game. Which is... Crazy to say that tonight is Kobe Bryant's final day as an NBA player. Um, yeah, I you know, combine,
1: be, what's that? Yeah, like you, you combine that with the NFL players who have retired this offseason. Yeah. And it's, it's really incredible just to think like these guys that we definitely grew up with. Um, you know, some of the best players of our childhood and uh, no longer. No longer in the game. So, obviously, a couple of these guys were, you know, kinds of shells of themselves here. But, but nevertheless, I mean, you still get used to seeing these guys, talking about these guys. Um, you know, next couple of years will be a little bit different.
0: But, uh, oh, by the way, Stanley Cup playoffs, go Flyers. Uh, hopefully they can beat the <laughs> Capitals.
1: Uh, I'm saying go Caps. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: We shall see Mm -hmm. what happens. But in any event, yes, the NFL draft is right around the corner. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit tonight about the draft, kind of talk about some of the team needs and some potential player fits for some of these teams. And of course, next week is the big event for us. It will be our big, the first annual Gridiron Graduates Live Mock, and I couldn't be more excited The two of us will be hitting you guys up, along with John Ledyard of USA Today and the Draft Wire, and Sports Illustrated's Chris Burke. The four of us will be going through the entire first round, uh, just running through the mock, and it's going to be an an extremely fun time. I'm certainly looking forward to it. I've had this book for over a month now, uh, when the two guys both said they were willing to jump on board. I was so happy. So, uh, next week's going to be really fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to that. It's always fun to do these. Um, it's very unique and, uh, you see a lot of different viewpoints and, and kind of strategies when whenever we do something like this. So I'm really looking forward, especially with these two guys.
0: Uh, and then a couple other notes. We got word today that the, uh, Regular season schedules announced tomorrow night or tonight if you're listening on Thursday, Um, because only the NFL can make a three-hour primetime special out of something you can look at in about thirty seconds.
1: Yeah, and like I, you know, I I, last year on Twitter I had asked because I honestly didn't know. I said, you know, what's the big deal about the schedule release? And a lot of Diehard fans had responded, well, you know, we like to travel to games. And the schedule release allows us to go book our flights and hotels Mm -hmm. and get that taken care of. And it's interesting because, you know, I never really thought of that. Um, but I'm with you here. I'm, you know, call me when it's over. I'll glance over it real quick. I mean, I'm going to watch every week anyways. So, I mean, for me personally, I don't go to games. I don't really like the in person NFL experience. It's a long day. It's an expensive day. Um, as well, but hey, respect to those that go to the games. You guys are great fans. Obviously, I am not a great fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I prefer the convenience and the, the comfort of my couch. But that's right. Uh, but you know, definitely, it's it is a it is a big day in the NFL just because, um, just because of kind of what it marks in terms of you know the off season and setting the hype for next year mm-hmm. and kind of officially put 2016 or 2015, I should say, in the rearview mirror uh, when that comes out.
0: Yeah. Uh, So, definitely be interesting to see for one, what they put in the Thursday night opener against the Broncos. You know, could be the Colts because of Peyton Manning. Could be the Patriots. Could be the Texans because of Brock Osweiler. I personally think they're going to go with the Colts, but you never know. They could they could certainly surprise and maybe put a team like Oakland in that first game for the, you know, divisional aspect. And I think there's a pretty good chance. And I know our buddy Eric Edholm, home, you know, friend of the show. He made his picks not too long ago of his of the Week One primetime games, and he has the Rams hosting the second Monday Night game. And you have to think that's very likely going to happen. You know, the NFL is probably going to promote the hell out of the fact that they're back in Los Angeles this season. So it would be perfect for them to, you know, put them in that Monday night slot. Of course, the downside is that game starts at about ten fifteen, so only about half of America is actually going to watch that entire game. Let, let alone yeah. even stay up for it.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately the, the half of Americans that stay up to watch it are going to be watching Case Keenum, um, barring any trade-up in the draft, or, you know, maybe even getting lucky and getting you know, one of the, one of these quarterbacks to call for them. So, so it's, it's as, as as excited as I am that football's back in Los Angeles. And I really am because I I think that's, you know, I think it's a good thing for the sport. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, uh, I just don't know, man. I I don't know about watching it on opening weekend. It's as much as I love that NFL is back. That's a lot, very late to stay up for a not very good, uh, not very good quarterback situation. Good team, but not a good quarterback situation.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a root for them to get someone like Paxton Lynch. Yeah. Uh, to definitely. give us something to watch. Uh but in any event, let's jump into it. Let's that was actually a nice little segue to the draft talk. So I'll kind of get started talking about some of these teams and you know possible fits. We might as well start at the top. Uh we've talked about the Titans before, talked about potential fits. I think it's starting to become a bit of consensus who they're going to take with that top pick? It sounds like it's going to be Larry Tunsil, uh, and, and certainly if they go with Tunsil, that definitely fills a need. You could put, you know, you could you have your choice between Tunsil and Lawan at your book in tackles. They would likely put Tunsil at left, Lawan at right tackle, and you know all of a sudden then your offensive line is definitely a lot better than it was last season. You know, you still have Chance Warmack at right guard, who's one of my favorite players among offensive linemen. And the whole goal of this, of course, is to protect DeMarco Murray. No, I'm kidding. It's to protect Marcus Mariota, of course. But you brought in DeMarco Murray to help with the run game, and getting a guy like Tunsil would certainly help with that. If they don't go Tunsil, you know, certainly... Certainly Jalen Ramsey, and we're probably going to mention his name a couple times tonight as potential fits for a lot of these teams because he's just that athletic of a player and can fit really any scheme. So if Tennessee goes with Ramsey, all of a sudden you have a playmaker in that secondary. Um, And let's face it, this Titans team can use pretty much all the help they can get. There's holes um, pretty much throughout the roster. So Ramsey certainly would be a good fit. Uh, I know there was a lot of talk about Bosa, potentially, as the top pick, but that talk has kind of seemed to die down a bit. Uh, It seems like Tunsil and Ramsey are probably the two favorites uh, to be selected with that number one pick. Assuming the Titans keep the pick, certainly there's going to be talk, and with this being smokescreen season, you're going to get more of that talk as we get closer to the draft, but there is talk. That the Titans may trade the number
1: one pick. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. Like that's, that's similar to what I've seen as well. That Tunsil is going to be the favorite if they keep the pick. But uh, what Jason Lock and Fora from CBS was saying is that they apparently do have a couple good offers that they feel like they can work with. Uh, maybe squeeze a little bit more out of uh, to trade down. Which you know I don't I don't think that's the right decision. This is a team desperately lacking talent. I don't think building depth is the right way to add that talent. And what you're talking about is adding maybe like a a third or fourth round pick. Quite frankly, that player is not likely to make a huge impact. It's just the the reality of the draft. Um, Now, it's certainly possible they could get a good player there. A good scouting department, a good coaching staff will find a good one there. But it's it's a 50-50 chance. I would rather take that elite player at number one overall, whether it be Ramsey, whether it be Tunsil. Um, if you take Tunsil, you got to figure out what to do with Taylor Luan, which one plays right tackle. Um, it's not an easy transition to go from one side to the other. You're changing the complete mechanics of the body and the muscle memory. Uh, but that being said, if it works out, you've got yourself a great bookend to pair, and I think that that's very valuable. And I would go with Tunsil personally. I like Jalen Ramsey a lot, but I think Tunsell is the best prospect. Quite frankly, I think he's the best prospect that I've scouted in, in four years. So, I mean, I, I think that that counts for something, especially with a rookie quarterback. Or I should say second-year quarterback now, but obviously Mariota was a rookie last year.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so definitely a lot of the ways the Titans can go, and it'll be really interesting to see what direction they go with a couple weeks to go. Um, so assuming Tennessee does go tonsil and, you know, makes it not as dramatic as we're expecting it right now, the real drama is going to begin at number two with the Cleveland Browns. We're expecting them to take a quarterback. They could certainly surprise us and take a different position. Again, maybe a Jalen Ramsey, you know, maybe uh you know, wh- whoever else they may consider, but um, the likely question for the Browns is: Will they take Carson Wentz, or will they take Jared Goff? And you mentioned Jason Locanfora and I believe there was a report today saying that if um, I think it was if Hugh Jackson got his way, I think that's the name he mentioned. If he got his way, then Jared Goff is actually going to be the pick over Carson Wentz. Even though the Browns scouts favor Carson Wentz. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point that if they either use that second pick or they use the 32nd pick, the first pick of round two, on a quarterback, more likely they'll have to take it at number two because, I mean, yeah, you signed Robert Griffin III, the third, but does that really solve the quarterback issues? They got to bring in someone to. At least compete with RG three, you know. At the very least, sit behind Griffin for some time while they develop.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the thing is, is and I agree with taking golf. By the way, um, I think this went from a good situation to a young quarterback to a difficult one. Um, obviously, letting their free agents walk and and not retaining any of them is very difficult to overcome, especially Mitchell Schwartz. Um, just from very poor. Decisions by a new management that I think that are it's going to come back to haunt them. But nevertheless, I'm a big Jared Goff fan. I I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, top 12 type quarterback in the league. And you know some people will disagree. Scouff will disagree. He's you know he's got his flaws. That's for sure. I don't think he's ready right now to play. Ideally, the Browns don't have to play him right now. They're also a team that could use impact star talent, kind of like Tennessee. But at the end of the day is if, if they feel like one of these quarterbacks can be their their future, you know, Pro Bowl guy, you gotta take him. And I'm not a Wentz guy really. I, I think I think Wentz is decent. Let me let me put it that way. I don't like him at his current price. I don't think he's first round good. I think he needs a couple years to sit. He can execute very basic things, and that's not to me worth a first round pick. It's just my interpretation of what that pick means. Um, mentally and physically he's ready, but mentally he is not. And that's where Jared Goff is just much more natural, much more advanced. And I think he just has a better upside, too, because of that. I think he does things with his intangibles and natural feel for the game that Carson Wentz has never showed. Uh, to me, that matters. So if I'm the Browns, I'm picking between three players here. I'm either taking Jared Goff, I'm taking either Jer- or uh, Jalen Ramsey, or I'm taking Joey Bosa. Because those are three positions that are premier positions. If you have a star at those one of those three positions or all three of those positions, especially if it's all three of those positions, you've got yourself a Super Bowl contender in most instances. So I don't think Bose may be like a superstar, but I think he's a very, very good player, and they could definitely use a player like him. Um, Ramsey is, is a rare safety-type player. I like him at safety. They may like him at cornerback, but I like him at safety. So... You know, I think they're in a really good position. Um, If they trade down, again, same thing with Tennessee. I just don't think that's the right decision for them. But um, I would really like it if they take off. I don't like it at all if they like Wentz. I just think that's reaching on a player that needs more time than what, you know, they need to be devoting to that type of player.
0: Yeah, and I've been saying for a while, it just felt like this Wentz hype train, you know, really went went off the rails. Uh, yeah quite some time ago and obviously it has not stopped
1: yeah and the weird thing is is that like a a week or two ago there were i forget who wrote the article but there were some quotes from gms earlier in the year i think it was from adam schefter and they had admitted that the gms were excited about adding this guy on day two of the draft because they didn't think the other teams would really be on him Mm -hmm. like that that tells you that he's a, he's a day-two pick. Like, that was the evaluation with him. And quarterbacks are always going to be pushed up a little bit, but you can't force the pick by two full rounds to the number-two overall pick. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense. It, it's it's baffling um, to move Wentz up like that. He threw 600 career passes at the FCS level, and he was playing at, like, the Alabama of FCS schools. Like it, it's just it's. He seems like a good, smart kid. There's things that he does well. You love his size. You love his athleticism, of course. But as a quarterback, I mean, he's he's not really anything special. He didn't show anything special. Maybe he'll become something special, but that's a huge projection. And I I, I just I don't understand the hype on him. Really, I, I I don't.
0: Well, it should be interesting, and you know, considering they're the Browns. God only knows what they're thinking, especially, you know, with the baseball mind running the show there now. Maybe, maybe they'll draft David Wright by accident. <laughs> uh, San Diego, then, is up at number three, and, uh, you know, they're an interesting team. Uh, I'll let you take the reins on this one first. Looking at the Chargers, what's your, what are your thoughts on them right now with that third pick?
1: So San Diego, I think that this is going to be the spot where you maybe see DeForest Buckner, um, or you're going to see maybe Jalen Ramsey if he's somehow still on the board, um, maybe Joey Bosa. I think those are probably the three guys that I think are likely. Uh, Buckner seems to be the guy that just for, it it just sticks out to me. Like I, I, we've seen reports that. Buckner probably goes ahead of Bosa, and if that's the case, then this is where he's going to go. They are similar to the first two teams where they've just been ravaged the last couple years of talent. Um, They just severely lack it throughout the roster, And, and obviously with Phillip Rivers in the fold, you need guys who can play right now who are impact players, and this is a class that's not filled with those guys. So I think Buckner makes sense. I personally would take Bosa. I think Bosa is just a better player, uh, but I like Bo- I like Buckner a lot. You're paying a bit of a premium for a player who, you know, isn't a great five technique in their in their scheme. But he's, you know, he's a fit there. It's not that he's not a great fit. It's just generally you don't see players that play his position go that high. Uh, but that's just kind of this class. And so, I think it's a good pick. It's a safe pick. Um, but it's a guy that gets on the field right away for them in a position that they desperately need help at. Um, Jalen Ramsey, I think, is the ideal pick after losing Eric Weddle. But don't hold your best breath, Chargers fans, if he falls there. I mean, you rush to the podium. But I just, you know, I think you go in with the expectation of adding Buckner, and you're fine, and you're just absolutely thrilled if you can get Ramsey.
0: Yeah, and I, f- I feel. You know there's a bit of a connection there too now between buckner and the chargers it seems like the chargers are pretty high on him uh and he would certainly fill a need they lost kendall reyes in free agency so he can come in and play on the end of that line and help that defense ramsey like you said would be the perfect replacement for eric Weddle. um so it'll be really interesting to see what the chargers do uh with that third pick. And then you move down to Dallas at four. And this is a spot I, I also think Joey Bosa can go because, you know, I think interior D line help is what Dallas need is one of the things Dallas needs right now. When Bosa's sitting there at that fourth pick, uh, especially knowing that they won't have. Um, Randy Gregory for the first four weeks of the season, and not re-signing Greg Hardy, they're going to need some pass rush help, and they can get that with Bosa. Again, we go. I know we've mentioned Ramsey, you know, about a million times already in just the last few minutes, but you know, he, he's that kind of player that can really transform any defense. It feels, especially yeah. a team like Dallas, who can use secondary help. I mean. You know, Flowers and Claiborne have been a little underwhelming. I know they re-signed Claiborne, but, you know, how how excited can you really be about that? I know they want to try to get Byron Jones up going, you know, up and Adam eventually. But uh, you bring in Ramsey and pair him with Byron Jones, that's a lot of speed in that secondary.
1: Yeah, a lot of versatility, too. And... Um... And the reason why you mentioned Ramsey so much is that, one, every team needs uh, defensive back help, every single team. There's not one team in the league that couldn't use either a cornerback or a safety. Uh, number two is that that's, that's just how good Jalen Ramsey can be, how special he is as an athlete and as a playmaker. So that's why, you know, I think this is his floor. I think his worst-case scenario was Dallas at number four. Um, but I'm with you here. I think, I think this is a spot for an Ohio State player. And Joey Bosa, to me, makes a lot of sense. I also think Ezekiel Elliott makes a lot of sense here. The common argument against Ezekiel Elliott is going to be, well, running backs aren't valued that high, which that's partially true, partially false. If you look at the last 50 running backs, so in the last 10 years, there have been 50 running backs um, who have finished in the top 10 of rushing yards. Um, And it doesn't seem like a lot because a lot of those running backs are repeating year after year of those backs. 32 of those backs were picked in the first two rounds of the draft. So a large majority of them are coming with a high investment. Um, So that's telling you that impact backs go early. It's very difficult to find very good backs later than round two. Not saying that there aren't those backs, but, it's more common that they're taken highly. So it makes sense to invest a high pick and running back. And I used to not be that guy a year ago. I thought differently. I did the research. I saw the research um, brought forward to me by others as well. And the evidence is, is there that investing highly in a running back is not a bad investment. Um, you just have to nail the evaluation. And I think it's a great running back. I think he'll be a pro bowl running back as soon as he starts his career as a rookie um, so the argument for Dallas is saying, well, yeah, they've got this great offensive line. they got Tony Romo. We can get away with an average running back. Yeah, you probably could. But what if you added a great running back? How good would the running attack be then? And I would argue that with Tony Romo in the fold, you probably have a five-year window at most, maybe even less. So you need to be as good as you can possibly be during that window. Because after that window, you're going to be rebuilding anyways. At least a little bit. Even with a new, even if you take your quarterback of the future, um, and everything goes perfectly, and that cute quarterback of the future is ready to go year one or year two of his starting career, and and jumps right in and plays well, you're still going to need a really good running back, and there's still going to be a transition period there. So, I think taking a running back um, like Elliott would be a home run pick who instantly transforms your offense, and he's going to be a mainstay for the next six, seven years until he gets to his upper 20s and maybe even 30s, um, I, I think he's the best overall player outside of Tunsel in this draft. And I think he's easily the best offensive playmaker in the draft. So I think it's a great pick at number four. That's So I would go between either one of those Ohio State players. Yeah,
0: and I, I tend to agree with you there, you know, Having Elliott, if I'm a Cowboys fan, would make me a lot more excited than relying on guys like Lance Dunbar, Darren McFadden. You know, if you you can add a playmaker to that offense and try to alleviate some of the pressure off of Dez Bryant and Jason Witten and, you know, obviously keep Tony Romo healthy, then all of a sudden there's your... Strong offense again, and Dallas is right back in the thick of the NFC East. So it would not surprise me if they took Elliot with that fourth pick. You know, because there's certainly holes all over the roster, so there's a number of ways they can go. Um, and speaking of Ohio State, they yeah. actually have there's 25 prospects that are going to be attending the draft. Five of them are from Ohio State, which I'm sure makes you pretty happy. Um, Absolutely. Other than Bosa and Elliott, you've got Eli Apple, you've got Taylor Decker, and you've got Darren Lee. Uh, All seem like they could potentially be first-round picks.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a really strong group from Ohio State. Um, It's basically a legendary recruiting class. Um, A lot to like about a lot of these guys. I'm not probably the lowest on Eli Apple, the cornerback. Um, Not that he's a bad player, but I just think he is the furthest to go as far as development. But um, I think we're going to see a number of special contributors early in their career Um, and unique roles too. You know, these are very unique players, especially Lee and Bosa. They're not your typical players um, for their position. So I think this is a really good group.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, should be good for Ohio State. Could be a very good, very good Thursday night for those in uh, in Buckeye Land. Uh, so let's move on. Talk about team with the fifth pick, a team that I still feel is on the rise, and also feel that this has to be the year, or it is probably the end of Gus Bradley. That is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, you know, I actually i'm i'm doing a bit of a mock draft myself, and this is actually where I have Jalen Ramsey at number five. Mm. And if you if you're the Jaguars and you can get Jalen Ramsey at number five, you oh boy,
1: yeah, that'd be huge. It would
0: be it, it, wow. I,
1: and you know what though, the, like the thing is, and the thing is, is that with the draft i say this all the time it is the most unpredictable event of the year absolutely so you can't you can't sit there and say well there's no chance that happens well there's a lot of things every year that happen that that you would sit there and say that and then you look at it at the end of the night end of the first round and you're like oh my gosh like it did actually happen so (laughs) you know it's this, this is a great fit as well, um, and in terms of scheme fit and instant impact, this and the Cowboys would probably be the best fit for him overall, and especially Jacksonville being aggressive this offseason, trying to make you know this be a winning season for once, I think they've come a long ways. I like what they've done this, this offseason. Adding Ramsey would really be the cherry on top. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, let's say... I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, 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 go ahead.
0: All right. Let's say Ramsey is off the board. You know, he does go in one of those first four picks. Could a guy like Miles Jack be a possibility for Jacksonville? Or maybe, I don't know, even an offensive tackle? Say, Ronnie Stanley?
1: Well, I don't think they'll go on offensive tackle just because they've invested at the position recently. Um, but I do think that you're on something there with Miles Jack. Now, personally, I would not take Miles Jack this high. Um, I... He's a good prospect to me. I don't think he's a a superstar. Uh, A lot of concerning things on film. I think the idea of Miles Jack is better than who Miles Jack currently is as a player. Um, A lot of projection with him over what he actually is. And so we'll see if he ends up reaching there. But I think he's a good prospect still. I think he's the likely pick if Ramsey's gone, just because this team really lacks athleticism um, in the secondary, and at the linebacker position. And it was reported they would use him as like a hybrid safety linebacker, uh, which is a good role for him. I think that's that's the right role for him uh, to succeed. And again, that's the point you want him to succeed and put him in a position to do well. And um, you know, I think I think he's definitely consideration. I also think Shaq Lawson, the defensive end from Clemson, should be a a consideration here as well because this team still needs pass rush help.
0: And I believe. Was it Miles Jack you wrote in your fifty predictions? Which, by the way, if you guys are listening, you should check out because he did great work on it. It was, I believe, it was Jack you wrote in your predictions will be announced as a safety. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: thought so. So there, there, you go. That's possible, and then that would be a unique position, and um, you know, certainly a nice chess piece for Gus Bradley to use. Uh, real quick, too, on Jack. I think I read somewhere. I don't know if it was – it might not have been here, but I I remember reading some article talking about Miles Jack and kind of comparing him to the last couple of linebackers we saw come out of of UCLA in uh, Eric Hendricks and um, Anthony Barr, and they were saying Jack might actually be the best of the three. Mm. What's your take on that?
1: I would actually say he's the least impressive of the three. <laughs> um, I mean, I was high on Barr. I had a first round grade on him. I had a first round grade on Eric Kendricks. So I mean, that's it's not a diss. It's not a, and I've got a first round grade on on Miles Jack as well. So I mean, I'm not sitting there trying to bash the guy. I just, again, I think he's a weak side linebacker, and that's literally the least valuable position on a defense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you can find those guys day three. Um, you can find athletic, undersized. Now he's not undersized, but you know, generally speaking, you can find athletic players like that. Not maybe not to his athleticism, but what's the difference between him and maybe like an, uh, a regular weak side linebacker? It's really not that big. Like the drop off from him to an average weak side linebacker is not going to be that big. Um, you're not going to have him covering slot receivers very often. Because he's not going to be playing BYU anymore, he's going to be playing Julian Edelman and Demarius Thomas. Like he's not going to cover those guys. I'm sorry, he has no chance of covering them. Um, So I just I don't think he's. I think he is a he's a chess piece that you can use and you can get a lot of cool usage out of him and helpful usage usage out of him. But I just don't think he's. You know, I, I saw someone say he's like a faster version of Ray Lewis. Like that's a hall of fame comparison.
0: It's interesting, yeah.
1: I I just I don't understand he wasn't a middle linebacker in college. He was a safety and slot linebacker. Like he it's just it's strange to me why we're projecting him to play these instinctive positions when it's not he he didn't play instinctive positions. He played reactive positions and that's okay but it's just it's it's a part of the evaluation process to understand the role he played and you know what he does well and what's going to be projection it's okay if you project him to be Bobby Wagner you know in the NFL but just understand that's not what he did in college mm-hmm. so it's a stretch to say that he will be that in the
0: NFL right uh, moving on to the top 10 the ravens sit at number 6 and to me, they're another interesting team. You know, they had a lot of injuries last season, which led to them going just 4-12. and um, Honestly, they're a bit of a hard team for me to figure out as far as where they could go. You know, maybe Jack is a possibility if he's there. Um, maybe they could use some rush help, some corner help. I, I don't know. So what do you think? Yeah. They're, they're, they're they they inter- seem interesting.
1: Spot. Yeah, yeah they, they are going to reap the benefit of whoever falls, especially if there's two quarterbacks that go before them. So here I'm looking at DeForest Buckner. I think this is buck Buckner's floor. I think his, his range is going to either be San Diego, Dallas, or Baltimore. I don't think he escapes those picks. Or Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa makes a lot of sense here. Instant impact player bolsters that defensive line. They had a lot of injuries on that defense the last couple years. Let's add a young talent who can come in right away and play a specific role and start. Um, I think he's a great fit for them. Beyond that, if those two guys are off the board, um, it gets really interesting, and maybe they do take Miles Jack, although they already have um, you know, a similar player in Arthur Brown who is a similar prospect. Uh, even though he hasn't played, that may make them weary of similar players to Jack. Um, it, they they have a need a cornerback, but it's too early to take a cornerback, I think. Uh, just a little early. You know, I don't think Bernard Hargraves is worth a top six pick. He's a good player, but I don't know if he's worth that high of an investment. So, And, and you know, it's funny because in two picks I'll probably talk about a cornerback, but... Um, just overall for them right now, I think that they're going to take that that trench talent. Or, if Laramie Tunsil doesn't go number one, I think this is probably his landing spot. He could slide all the way down to six if he doesn't go number one. And then I think it's an easy decision for Baltimore to just snatch him up.
0: Yeah, especially after losing uh, Osemele just put yeah. him right in at left tackle. It uh, would be interesting, though, if Tunsil gets past Tennessee, San Diego would probably take a look at him, I think, and maybe kick King Dunlap over right. Um, but, yeah, def- definitely Baltimore could be a landing spot if Tunsil were to fall, which you know certainly would be surprising, but then again, we should expect the unexpected.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which is weird to say that, that Tunsil could fall to six, considering he's so good. Yeah, Um, but that's just kind of you know the way it's been, and even with San Diego, they've they re-signed Joe Barksdale, their right tackle to a four-year contract, so they're they're invested at that. Yeah, they're invested along the offensive line, even though it's not a good offensive line, they're invested in that. So they're not. I don't think they're going to take him. So maybe you see maybe you see like a trade up or something even uh, from someone else. Uh,
0: San Francisco sits at number seven, and. I really think they're going to go quarterback here. You know, probably whoever Cleveland doesn't pick at number two, I think San Francisco could easily gobble up at seven because, let's face it, they've made things – we would think things are a bit awkward now between them and Colin Kaepernick with all the trade reports that have been going on. And God knows Blaine Gabbard is not a good quarterback, especially if we're talking about a Chip Kelly offense. So uh, Jared Goff definitely is a possibility here. I know you've talked in the past that Jared Goff... I remember even asking you once during the season, like, hey, is Jared Goff a fit for Chip Kelly? And you said, yeah, he is. But that was when Chip Kelly was was still with the Eagles. Now he's with the 49ers. And lo and behold, Goff is potentially going to be sitting there at number seven.
1: Yeah, I think that's ideal. I think either Paxton Lynch... Memphis quarterback, or Jared Goff are the easy decision here. Um, Goff is, I just think, so perfect for Chip Kelly. He's incredibly smart. He's experienced. He can go vertical. He can do the short um, underneath stuff. He is smart in the pocket. He's accurate to all levels. Um, he's gained significant muscle since the end of last year even. If you watch like the quarterback camp with John Gruden, uh, he looks huge. Like, like he looks really built. He might be up to 215, 220 pounds, and he looks at his upper body looks much bigger than last year. Um, that being said, would I like him to sit a year? Yeah, absolutely. But if there's one offense that he's gonna go to and maybe be able to play right away, it would be here with Chip Kelly. Um, I think he'd be a home run pick. Same, similar story for for Paxton Lynch, though. I mean, I think I really think he needs to sit a year. Um, to maximize his growth potential. But, I mean, if you put him with Chip Kelly, now you're going to change the offense a little bit. It's going to be a little bit more of a... a, It'll still be a vertical offense. It won't be as much of a West Coast offense. You can't really do quite as much with him. He's still pretty accurate, but you want to use his athleticism. And the way that you're going to maximize his athleticism is by going vertical. Um, And he's a much better version of Colin Kaepernick, uh, which they already have on their roster. So... If I'm, if I'm San Francisco, I'm trying to trade Colin Kaepernick for a mid-round pick, and I am taking my quarterback of the future at number seven.
0: And I definitely agree there. So, like I said, if one of the two quarterbacks, or even like you said, Lynch very likely will be sitting there too, um, I would say one of those two is probably going to be the pick. Yeah. Philadelphia at number eight. Offensive line, definitely a need. Ronnie Staniel will be sitting there. Cornerback could be a need. You know, they re-signed Nolan Carroll. Uh, could certainly use a third guy between him and Eric Rowe. Um, you know, a number of ways they could go. Receiver, they could possibly go. Maybe this is Ezekiel Elliott's spot as well, if Dallas doesn't take him at four. they They're... they're they're, they're another team, I th- and, the, you know, the trade rumors are swirling around this team as well, that maybe they're going to be a team that moves up for one of those quarterbacks. So yeah. I think Philadelphia is definitely going to be a team to watch once the draft gets here.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of noise around this team. Um, possible, there's rumors that they can move up to number one to take Carson Wentz or Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. Um There's rumors they could move up to number two for Ezekiel Elliott. Um, So I don't know whether it's them leaking this information, whether it's someone else. They're clearly interested in the quarterbacks and Ezekiel Elliott. I think that much is true. Um, I think they're going to come away with this draft with either a quarterback or Zeke. And, um, you know, I, I, I love Ezekiel Elliott, obviously, but for them, I don't know if taking him is the right decision. You know, this is a team they've had premier running backs in the recent past, and they've traded them away. Now, obviously, that was Chip Kelly. Um, But they have Ryan Matthews. I just don't know what this team's needs. They just recently heavily invested in a quarterback. Granted, they're short-term deals with Sam Bradford and Chase Daniel, but I don't understand why you would make that investment and then trade up or even take a quarterback top 10. What was the point of taking Chase Daniel if you're going to draft a quarterback top 10? So it's it, that seems a little strange to me. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, I, again, he's such a good player. I, mean, I wouldn't complain if they took him. I, I really wouldn't. Selfishly, I hope he falls past them because if he falls past them, I think he could land in Miami. Um, but I, it, it makes sense. It just it's, I don't know if it's the best fit for what their current needs are. Um, not that running back isn't a need. I just, you know, you're picking top 10 with this roster. This roster to me doesn't say needs running back. It says it needs receivers. It needs maybe some help, um, along the defensive front, maybe another body up front. Um, maybe even a secondary member. They could definitely use another cornerback. So I think this would be a good chance here. I would probably look at cornerback, maybe Vernon Hargraves or William Jackson.
0: And I know they were looking at Nick Fairley a little bit a couple of weeks ago in free agency. Fairley, of course, signed with the Saints. Um, but it does show that, you know, they're maybe looking for some more bodies behind Fletcher Cox. Yeah, there's all the trade rumors of surrounding Fletcher Cox and the report that he supposedly turned down a huge contract. But, I mean, he's still under contract for this season. I think he's eventually they're going to get a deal done. A couple notes, too. um, One regarding Zeke. I think it was Sam Monson on Twitter, Pro Football Focus, that said that Zeke's comparison in the NFL is Ryan Matthews. So when I saw that, I'm sitting Mm. thinking, okay, well, if he's Ryan Matthews, then why would the Eagles draft a Ryan Matthews-like player at number eight? if they already have Ryan Matthews,
1: you know what? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's really a great comp either. Um, uh, yeah, that, that seems like it's a little bit off to me. But nevertheless, I mean, Matthews was a really good prospect coming out of college. Was. He was. You know, and, and maybe that's where the comp is, is that as prospects, they're similar, because Matthews has been hurt so many times now. He's just a different back. He's not a bad back, but he's just he's just so different now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah i mean it's i mean that's a good point though i mean again do you need to invest a premium pick into a position where you have a decent starter and you've got some depth there with Darren Sprouls. i i almost think like you could wait till next year which is a loaded running back draft class um and and you know spare yourself that elite pick this year
0: mm-hmm. and then of course the quarterbacks you know they've definitely mad and talked with pretty much all the top guys I think they've talked with Wentz they've talked with Goff Lynch Hackenberg so they're they're doing their due diligence at the very least um who knows if they don't come away with a quarterback in round one maybe round three and of course all the talk about the trade-up there's one key issue here and that's they don't have a second round pick so where's the ammunition going to come in? If they make a trade up, they're in all likelihood going to have to get rid of next year's first. So, otherwise, they're going to have to get pretty creative if they want to make a move up. Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Uh,
0: nine on the board is Tampa Bay. Um, Tampa Bay certainly a team on the rise. They're cutting out a head coach, resigned. Uh, Doug Martin, so you can see the offense starting to build. Pass rush, I think, is definitely a direction they can go here. You know, certainly can go with one of the one of the Clemson defensive ends, Shaq Lawson or Kevin Dodd. Um, That, to me, right now feels like their biggest need is yeah. defensive end, maybe get a little bit of pass rush, especially in, a, in the division where you know, you've, you're still facing Drew Brees twice a year. You're facing Matt Ryan. You're facing Cam Newton. So wouldn't hurt to have a little bit of pass rush down in Florida there.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think defensive end and maybe cornerback. Um, now, to be brutally honest with you, I would take an offensive tackle here. I don't like their offensive line that much. Currently constructed. I love I love Ali Marpet. He's a fantastic young guard, but Donovan Smith at left tackle to me is is an issue. And I know that Buccaneers fans are a little defensive about him. It's okay, guys. It's all right. They 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 were (laughs) yeah I said something about him and a couple of their writers had said, hey, you know, he did pretty good down the stretch. So I went back and watched. So he, he's pretty brutally bad. <laughs> he, is, he, is, he is not a good left tackle. He wasn't a good left tackle in college either. Um, he's a guard to me. He needs to pick inside and play left guard. I would add a guy like Taylor Decker here or Ronnie Stanley, and I think that you could really set up Jameis Winston for the future and be very successful with the pick like that. But, like I said, there are also needs a cornerback and defensive end. So, again, those are premium, excuse me, premium positions. So, as long as you walk away with uh, using one of those top 10 picks, um, on that premium position, I, I wouldn't complain one bit.
0: to be on oh, yeah. the safe nope, side. Alright, <laughs> so got through the Bucks. Now we're on to the okay. Giants. So moving on, rounding out of the top ten is a team that seems like they have a lot of holes. Uh, like we talked about earlier with the Cowboys and and, of course, it's the NFC East. What well, feels like the NFC East has a lot of holes they have to fill roster-wise. Yep. Uh, but the New York Giants need help all over the place. Uh, let me, Off the top of my head, I'm thinking offensive line. I'm thinking probably receiver, yep. secondary, yep. linebacker, defensive end. Whew, it's almost like no matter where they go, they can't go wrong with this 10th pick. Um Yeah, just about any anybody they can go with, or anybody that could be there. Shaq Lawson Hargraves, Treadwell, maybe Will Fuller, I don't know. Name name almost anybody you want, the Giants can use them because they need all the help they can get at this point. Yeah,
1: definitely. And instead of rebuilding this roster the right way, they're going to have to, you know, draft really well, which General Manager Jerry Reese has not done in recent years. Um, they need a running back. They need a wide receiver. They need offensive line help. They might be set along the defensive line. They could probably use some depth after spending you know $200 million there, but um, they could definitely use some depth in later rounds, and then they could use linebacker help desperately, and they need a free safety. They need a cornerback. So, I, I mean, yeah, like you said, pick your poison here. I don't think I spend this on an offensive position. I'd probably take a tackle. Like I don't take an offensive playmaker. I'd take a tackle. Um, Marshall Newhouse is going to be their starting tackle. So this, to me, seems like the right spot for either Taylor Decker or Ronnie Stanley. Maybe Jack Conklin, although I'm not a big fan of his. Um, you got to take an offensive tackle here. Protect Eli Manning. Try to get that run game going a little bit better. Um, and that happens with a, a new left tackle. It also allows Eric... Uh, uh, Eric Flowers to move back to his more natural right tackle position, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, then we are at Chicago at 11. Uh, wouldn't it be interesting if Chicago winds up with Kendall Fuller to pair with his brother Kyle Fuller? Uh, but probably too high for this pick, it seems. You know, I'm not seeing a lot of uh, Kendall Fuller talk in the first round, but I could certainly see the Bears going cornerback. Maybe this is a spot for Vernon Hargraves. Um, You know, maybe you look at receiver, you know, obviously they tagged Alshon Jeffrey and they're hoping Kevin White comes back from injury. Maybe you grab someone to fill the third spot. Uh, You know, don't think they go running back here. I think they're pretty high on uh, Jeremy Langford. I think they're excited and ready for him to take over for Matt Forte. Uh, You know, they could certainly add some depth along the offensive line and maybe a little bit on that front seven. So, Chicago, another interesting team, uh, sitting at number eleven there.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're they've built this defense nicely over the last two years in free agency. Um, they might be in a position, if a quarterback falls, they might be in a position to take their quarterback the future right now. Um, they do need cornerback help. Uh, Jason Mockenfora did, did predict that Kendall Fuller will get into the first round somewhere, but I agree 11's too high. I think you're going to maybe see him at the end of the first round, which, by the way, seems, still seems really high um, for a limited athlete coming off of microfracture surgery, which is a considerably severe uh, knee surgery. But um, for those that don't know, basically, like, there's no cartilage left. They use blood. Uh, they drill into the bone and they use blood uh, to seal that and to almost act as like a, a protective barrier. So it's, it's, it's kind of bizarre um, how that works. It's, it usually does not lead to long-term success or recovery. Um, it's basically like a last, last-ditch effort. Um, to save the knee, and, and usually players, and Amari Stoudemire in the NBA was a good example of this. Usually, you'll see a guy play well for maybe like two, three, maybe four years after, um, and it's uncommon in football that it happens, but in basketball, it's usually you know the beginning of the end for sure. So, so it'll be interesting to see you know where he goes. But I agree with you here, Chicago. I think they've got a lot of options. Um, I would specifically look at edge rushers. I think Noah Spence would be a really good pick here. I also would not be surprised to see the best available corner come off the board here either. And then, like I said, with my dark horse pick, would be quarterback.
0: It would be interesting, especially, you know, Jay Cutler doesn't have a big window left. Um, Hell, if he didn't have that huge contract, Chicago very well could have got rid of him, but of course he was sort of risen from the ground last season with Adam Gaze, but of course Adam Gaze is no longer there. But they're hoping that continuity and bringing up the offensive coordinator or the quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator can still help Cutler, but hey, you might want to start thinking down the road a little bit if you're Chicago. Um, and at 12, a team that's kind of in a similar position as far as quarterbacks go, and that's the Saints, um, yeah, they drafted a quarterback in the third round last year, but, you know, there's still talk that they, they may look at quarterback in this draft. Um, wide receiver seems to be a position that's being pegged to the Saints a lot, you know, so maybe, you know, almost any of the top guys, Laquan Treadwell, Will Fuller, Josh Dockson. so.
1: Yeah. And interestingly enough, I I can't remember who mentioned it, um, but they had mentioned that Garrett Grayson, the guy that they took last year, they took him in the third round, but they had him pegged as a, a backup quality player. So they don't view him as like the long term succession plan to Breeze. Um which is really weird, by the way, why they they take a guy like that in the third round, considering all the holes they have on their roster. Um, but that kind of helps encapul- encapsulate encapsulate. The poor roster management this regime has had over the last several years. But um, nevertheless, they have a chance here to add an impact player, someone who can start right away, whether it be Laquan Treadwell, whether it be Josh Doxon, um, or if they go on defense, which I would recommend um, defensive line, they could certainly use pass rushers. They could use defensive uh, tackles as well. They could use even a linebacker. So, yeah, you know, they can, they, they have a lot of ways they could go. They could use a corner as well. So, I mean, I don't rule out any possession, position here. I take the best available player. That may end up being, I think this is the floor for Vernon Hargraves. If I'm them, um, I think that would be a guy that if he's still on the board makes a lot of sense because he can play right away. Um, but I also don't rule out a wide receiver to help fill those shoes of Marcus Colston.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just going to run through quick the rest of the top half of the draft, and then get more in depth of these teams next week when we actually do the mock draft. Uh, your your Dolphins then at thirteen. Yeah. You mentioned you'd love to see Ezekiel Elliott fall to them at thirteen, which is it's just possible, yeah, outside chance. Yeah, you know.
1: if he can make it past the Eagles and the Giants, I think that they'll. I think that they, he'll fall to them. So those yeah. are the two big ones. And I can't really see the Giants taking him, and I think the Eagles take a quarterback. So I think there's a, a okay chance, like maybe like 40% chance.
0: Um, pass rush is certainly yeah. a possibility here, I think, for the Dolphins. You know, if either one of those Clemson DNs fall to them, I think that's possible. I think you even mentioned in your article, you kind of talked about that. Um, I think you said Kevin Dodd would actually be a pretty good mm-hmm. fit for for this defense yeah
1: i think cornerback is the best overall direction for miami uh they desperately need cornerback help they should have taken one last year but they didn't um in the first round should have taken marcus peters but you know they didn't listen to me so <laughs> you know live and learn i guess maybe they will but um I, th- yeah. I think william jackson here or one of the clemson defensive ends i prefer Lawson. But Dodd also fits really nicely in case he's the best one on the board. Um, so those would be my three guys if Elliott's off the board. And quite frankly, even if Elliott's on the board, I'm perfectly fine with taking either Wilson or yeah. William Jackson um, as well, as much as I love Zeke. Um, I just think that those two guys play more important positions.
0: And, I mean, I'm still a fan of J.J. Yeah, me I too. Know. Me too, and that's but part like, of it yeah, too. Of shame, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was a little surprising to see them go like kind of full speed ahead for a guy like C.J. Anderson in free agency. And obviously they almost got him, but then Denver decided to match the offer, which was pretty surprising, considering they could have just slapped, say, a second-round tender on him. Now all of a sudden you're committing more money to him. But, you know, that's a topic for another day. Uh, Then we get to the Raiders at 14. Um, This is also, you know, you mentioned if Miami – if uh, Zeke falls a little bit, this could potentially be a landing spot, too, for Ezekiel Elliott if he were to fall. I think pairing him with Latavius Murray, I think, would be very nice for the Raiders. Um, you know, the Raiders might be in a position, the way they're building their team, did very well in free agency. They're, they could be in position to go best player available here and really start to position themselves to potentially make a run to the playoffs this season. So, uh, I think the Raiders are in good position. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think this is the absolute floor for Ezekiel Elliott. I think this would be a wonderful fit if for how, if for some reason (laughs) he slides by those three teams, which again, it wouldn't shock me. Um, this would be the best landing spot for him, I think. Uh, but they also could go ahead, they could add another pass rusher or defensive end. Uh, Sheldon Rankins has been talked about. I like Chris Jones, personally, out of Mississippi State. Um, Robert Kim DJ is probably going to be a second-round pick, so he might not be in the fold here. But, uh, you know, you can talk about those type of players who are more upside-type guys who may not come in and, and play and start right now, but they can play a specialty role. And you put them in that specialty role, and they're gonna they're gonna excel in that small dosage that you get them on the field. And then guess what? When you're starting to get them on the field as a second and third year player, uh, you can, you're gonna reap the rewards of taking a, a slower approach with them, as they're gonna be a little bit more consistent because you slowed the slow baked them before you stuck them in the role. So um, I think they're in a great position. They could also use cornerback help. Um, and safety help as well. There's probably not going to be a safety on the board worth this pick, so maybe cornerback um, Eli Apple would make sense. Um, so would a guy like uh, uh, William Jackson if he's still, somehow still on the board too.
0: And I know it's safeties. It seems like, um, you know, obviously Ramsey's at the top, but then when you get, like, into the second round, it seems like the values. It's starting to be there a little bit. I, you know, There's a lot of talk about Darian Thompson of Boise State as a potential solid safety for someone in the second round. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams, which I'm still getting used to saying, at uh, 15, a lot of people are going to peg them to take a wide receiver because they become the... Uh, St. Louis slash Los Angeles, let's just draft every receiver imaginable Rams. Um, but if a guy like Paxton Lynch is there, like if one of the quarterbacks is there, they've got to consider him. They've got to consider taking some kind of quarterback in this draft because you cannot go, not just going into the season, but going into your first season back in Los Angeles, back in the second biggest media market in the country with Case Keenum as your starting quarterback. Because Lord knows this team will not be competitive. It's almost like they want to go seven and nine every single year because right now they're doing a damn good job of it. The way this roster is right now, they very well could go seven and nine again for the next four years. You know and when their new stadium is built, it'll be like, hey, welcome to Welcome truly back to Los Angeles, and it, uh, it, it's just a mess right now. If you're a Rams fan, it, it's hard to feel good about this team if they don't take a quarterback.
1: Yeah, uh, if if they if they have the chance to get Paxton Lynch, I think they've got to sprint to the board and take him. Um, he's my number two quarterback. I think he's a perfect fit for them. With Todd Gurley, I think they would be a lot of fun. Also with Tavon Austin. Um, if they, if he's off the board, then maybe you look at a guy like Josh Doxson at wide receiver, uh, maybe even you force a pick like Connor cook, you know, I'm not a huge Connor cook fan. Um, but I think he's the next best guy available. Um, and I think he is a decent, he can be a decent starting quarterback too. You know, I'm not, I don't think he can be a great player. I don't think he'll be a, an above average player, but can he be maybe 2014 version of Andy Dalton? Yeah, I think so. And for them, that's a major upgrade. It really would be a major upgrade. And so, he's inconsistent, but there are things that you like. He can make some great throws at times. And so, again, you just, you have to improve that quarterback position. Um, you can't just let it stay still with guys like Nick Foles and, and, you know, Case Keenum. So, we'll see if they end up aggressive. It's not the MO of this front, of this regime to be aggressive. So it would be a little bit surprising, but I think it's the right move.
0: And I was actually just going to mention something, you know, you brought up, they don't, they're not aggressive, but there, there is also the possibility too, that they go a position other than quarterback at 15 and then trade back into round one, back into round one and maybe take a quarterback because they do have two picks in the second round. Maybe they use one of those picks to jump back into the back end of round one, potentially ahead of a team like the Broncos, yeah. who may also be eyeing a quarterback if one's sitting there at thirty-one. Um, and then we'll wrap this up talking about the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, could certainly use improvement on that defense a little bit. Um, maybe, and they could shore up the offensive line in this draft. Maybe another you know, receiver. You know, running back at some point in the draft, probably not in the first round, but maybe at some point in the draft. So, Lions will be another interesting team to watch. You know, coming off the Calvin Johnson retirement and how they go forward with that. Yeah, they got Marvin Jones. We'll see how they uh, how they continue to react off that.
1: Yeah, this is a situation you know. Like you said, they could improve the trench play. With the defensive tackle, they can improve the tackle plan offense. Um, they went after Calvin Beechum, they went after Russell Okung. So, what's kind of their plan of attack? Do they want to move Riley Reed over uh, or Riley Riley Reef um, over from left tackle to right tackle, or what's kind of the plan there? That's going to be the really uh, really important question for them. And they could also go wide receiver. They definitely could use another wide receiver with Megatron gone. They could have used another receiver even with Megatron. So it's going to be tough for them, I think, to, to sit there and and do you – which which premium position do you want? Do you want the offensive line or do you want the defensive line? Or do you take a bit of a luxury pick at wide receiver? Uh, quite frankly, I kind of lean towards taking a trench player here, shoring up that offensive line. Or defensive line, building that way, and uh, coming around maybe in the second or third round, and grabbing a receiver, and then maybe grabbing another receiver on day three.
0: Um, and so, with that, I think we'll wrap things up. I think I think we did pretty well there, going through sixteen teams. You know, obviously, we'd be here a while going through all thirty two. I think top sixteen is pretty good. Um, and like I said, we'll be going through all thirty, well, technically thirty-one picks because the Patriots don't have a first-round pick, but I'm sure we'll sneak the Patriots in there somewhere. But uh, yeah, so good show tonight, and again, next week is the big mock draft with Chris Burke and John Ledyard. So definitely want to tune in for that. I think it, I think it's going to be really fun. Really excited to hear the perspective of those two along with us and just see how the board falls out. So uh, anything else you want to add, Ian? That's about it, up, it. Just really
1: cool to see the Miami Heat blow a 20-some point lead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they got a lot of the trash talkers on Twitter, and uh, their team is trash. So looking forward to them getting beat in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, looking at the scores as we stand now, looks like the Heat are going to lose to the Celtics. Uh, Hornets beat the Magic. Hawks are losing to the to the Wizards. So we'll see what that means for the uh, for the playoffs. Because I know there was a lot of a lot of possibilities, and obviously when you guys listen to us, these the playoffs will already be set, so you already know what the matchups are. But I know Miami was could have been anywhere from 3 to uh, to 6. But um, I'm actually s- searching quick on SB Nation, their kind of flowchart that they created for the East playoff pr- predictions. And... Uh, Well they might still end up as a three-seed nonetheless. Yeah, looks
1: like they will, since the Hawks are losing, but
0: they're probably gonna that's end. all right,
1: though. Backing it into the playoffs. Looks like they're,
0: like they're going to draw Charlotte in the uh, first round, and it'll be the Hawks against the Celtics. So, uh, And, of course, like I said to you off-air, good luck to your Cavs against the Pistons, and uh, good luck to the Rockets against the Warriors in round one. Hope you can uh, stay within 20 points in these games. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so for all all you guys out there, enjoy the NBA playoffs. Enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs. Baseball season has started. Phillies are kind of meh, as expected. And then, I guess I get ready for next week for the big mock draft. So, for my buddy Ian Wharton, Phil Rossetti, saying thanks as always for listening to us and enjoying um, you know if you want to hit us up let us know what you think of the show let us know if you have any questions or anything at nfl film study at bill underscore Rossetti. thanks so much for listening guys we'll see you next time right here on gg take care everybody